to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose in our series Parables and Object Lessons. And before we get started and going too far, Susan, would you open with a word of prayer? Sure. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to speak about your principles and above all your law of love. We ask now that you would send your spirit to guide and to lead our thoughts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, last time we talked about the the wheat and the tares and, you know, doing this this study has really helped me. I mean, I look in the garden and every time I look and I see them them weeds, what goes through my mind <laughs> is an enemy has done this, you know? Right. The devil has sown a lot of bad stuff on this planet. Right. You know? And anytime something wrong, some, something's wrong in nature or, or something, you can pretty much bank on it. An enemy has done this. Well, and then not only that, but we, um, you know, when you talk about the weeds in the garden, it's, we always liken it to the weeds inside our our heads and our, our yeah. character traits and things like that. Yeah, and the, the mind garden, you know, the, right. what do you, you got to do to grow weeds? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Just let your garden go. And what do you got to do to grow bad character traits? Nothing. Just let yourself right. go. Yeah. And so I think that today we're going to talk about um, uh, the seed and how it grows, but it, it also has to have a, um, a cooperative effort from yeah. us as well. Yep. So it's not just, you know, us working and doing all this stuff. It, it definitely isn't our power that right. um, changes us. Right. So today's program, that we're actually we're going to look at like a grain of mustard seed. And uh, today's program is based on Matthew 13, 31, and 32, Mark 4, 30 to 32, and Luke 13, 18, and 19. You know, the crowds that listened to, in those crowds that listened to Christ's teachings, there was actually quite a few Pharisees. And I'm sure among other questions that they had about Jesus, they were probably questioning about how this teacher was going to elevate Israel to to greatness, because that was their concern, was uh, elevating Israel to greatness. And, you know, Jesus didn't have any riches or power or honor. How was he going to establish this new new kingdom? Well, I imagine Jesus read their read their thoughts and and answered him and right. in in a parable. Right. Right. And this is what he said: Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? In earthly governments, there is nothing that can serve an example. So Jesus couldn't point to any civil society on earth as an example. because So Jesus said, it is like a mustard seed. Right. So he's talking about, you know, where, where can we, how can we compare the kingdom of God? And then he, then he talks about a mustard seed. Wow, because God doesn't run his government like earthly governments. There'll be no police in heaven, no jails, no coercive presser, pressure for people to fall in line. Everyone 
that's there will have chosen to be there and chosen to live in harmony with the principle of love. No one will even have a thought to harm their brother or sister. That's right. And that being said, Jesus went on to say, It is like a grain of mustard seed, he said, which when it is sown upon the earth, though it be less than all the other seeds that are upon the earth, yet when it is sown, grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and puts out great branches so the birds of, of the heaven can lodge under the shadow thereof. Yeah, see, the germ in the seed grows by the unfolding of the life principle that God has implanted. Its development doesn't depend on human power. That's the way the kingdom of Christ is. It's a new creation. Its principles of development are the opposite of those that rule the civilizations of this world. That's right, because earthly governments conquer by physical force, and they maintain their dominion by war. But Jesus, the founder of the new kingdom, is the The Prince Prince of of Peace. Peace. That's right. You know, if you look closely at the book of Daniel and and Revelation, especially those two books, you'll find that the worldly kingdoms are symbolized by fierce beasts of prey. You know, lion, the bear, the leopard, and the dreadful beast, and of course those being Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And, and, but Christ, he's not a fierce beast. He's not a dreadful beast. He's the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, John one twenty nine. In his plan of government, there's no use of brute force to compel the conscience, is there? No, and you can see, you know, you can look back in the world's history and see just the cruelty of of what humanity can become. All in an effort to try to control the conscience. Right, and and all for power and money and greed and... it, it's awful to be able to, you know, to look back and say, that's your heritage. Because people all... don't think the way that other people do. They compel their conscience. Right. You know, a man, uh, a man that's forced against his will is of the same opinion still. Right. Convinced against his will, yeah. Right, and you know that that's the thing. The Jews had looked for the kingdom of God to be established in the same way the kingdoms of the earth were. And to promote their way of thinking, they resorted to external measures. They devised methods and plans to force people to obey, but Christ implants a principle. That's right. By instilling the truth about God and his virtues, he diffuses error, sin, and most importantly, fear. You know, and that's a really important point, because remember, coercion and force instills fear in a person. So that's not how God operates. He didn't threaten Judas. What did he do? He washed his feet. See, perfect love does what? Casts out fear. Mm-hmm. See, it wasn't the law, it wasn't the police, it wasn't the judge, it wasn't this or that that got me clean and sober. It was the sense that I was hurting people. And that, the, and, 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 and that little tap on the shoulder, God let me know that he was there and he wanted to help me with this problem that I had. Right. Of hurting myself and other people, right? And I think that I mean, having been in the in the justice system and on the wrong side of the law, breaking the law and and in jail and and all different kinds of, of um, programs and things like that to try to, it was like a um, at the time, it was a forced action on me because I wasn't convinced that there was any other way. Right, and I wasn't convinced that there was any other way of life. That that was my life. I was was doomed to um, 
you know, to live that life on drugs and alcohol and everything else. And it wasn't until I had that conversion, like you also that, stated. Yeah, the little tap on the shoulder that, you know what, I'm here to help you. Right. I'm not your enemy. Right. Something happens mm-hmm. that germinate like the, like the little mustard seed. <laughs> Something happens. And it doesn't mean to say that all the things that leading up to that weren't all touch points. Part of it, yeah. They weren't all touch points within my recovery. They, I believe that they were. I think that God... Um, works through people and institutions and everything, even even despite the fact if it's not exactly his plan yeah. for our lives. Yeah, you know? so a lot of times we need a little pressure to, to lift that veil a little bit. Right. You know, and he'll he'll apply that pressure in different ways. You know, that's why we always say when people call us and they say, well, my son is in jail, we say, well, praise the Lord that you know where he is and you know that he's safe because sometimes um, restraint on someone who's out of control is an okay thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, but you know, and you, but God will always leave us free to choose, right? Because if, because you know, we, force cannot change the mind; it won't change the conscience. Right? Force can only um, that force, you know, being in jail can only stop the behavior, right? For a certain time, it's not a life changing thing. It has to be a cooperation. Yep, it, ha- with, it has to come from within. It absolutely, yeah, you bet. So as Jesus spoke this parable, I would imagine that the mustard plant could probably be seen somewhere near, standing above the grass and grain and waving its branches in the air, probably with birds in the branches right, too. Right, maybe jumping twig to twig, you know, singing. You kind of get a picture of that. And that seed from that giant herb came uh, where it came from was among the least of all the seeds. You know, if you know, it sends up the tender shoot, but it was strong. And it grew and it flourished until it reached this large size. So it was a per- perfect object lesson. Right. And the kingdom of, of Christ in its beginning seemed humble and insignificant. Compared with earthly kingdoms, it appeared to be the least of all. Christ's claim to be a king was ridiculed by the rulers of this world. But how did that change his followers? And how fast did it grow? How widespread was its influence? You know, that's continued influence. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. It's almost an imperceptible seed in the beginning. He's saying, look at this mustard seed. You can't barely see it. Right. But this plant came out of it. And I think of the digger pines in our property. I mean... They're not my favorite. I like them, (laughs) but I mean, they, they are kind of a pain because... Uh, they'll they, they'll fall over and cause all. And they all, grow huge. They grow really huge. Big but you know, a little bitty pine nut and that big old digger pine is contained in there. And we get to watch those squirrels tackle them uh, pine cones and dig those pine nuts out. And then every one of those pine nuts, if you think about it, it's contained a whole digger pine. And I can't I can't wrap well, my mind around if that. You, if you think it contains one digger pine, well, it yeah, really do, it contains the, a whole forest yeah, of them because the multiplication, each, yeah. Right, each each pine cone has the ability to reproduce that another pine yeah. tree, and then you know, so it is. It's yeah. exponential. So yeah, think about it. When Jesus spoke the parable of the mustard seed, there were only a few Galilean peasants that were re- were representing the new kingdom at that time. Poverty and how few of them there were, were some of the reasons that were given over and over again as to why men shouldn't connect themselves with those simple-minded fishermen who followed Jesus. But the mustard seed was to grow and grow and spread out its branches throughout the entire world. And that's right. When all the earthly kingdoms perish, the kingdom of Christ will remain strong. A strong and far-reaching power, a different kind of power, a power that actually heals. That's right, and that's that's really important. 
um, the power of Christ is a healing power. Remember the weeds? An enemy has done this. Mm-hmm. But when you tend to the garden the, and you trim your little your little bushes or your little trees that you're growing and you take care of them, you know, and they grow bigger, they grow and, they bigger and stronger and they produce fruit. You know, the, this mustard seed things are real similar to the work of God's grace in the heart. It's such a small beginning. You know, a simple kind word is spoken, a ray of light is let into the mind, an influence is exerted, and that's the beginning of the new life. And the results can be immeasurable, like we're talking about the seed of that of that digger pine, you know, and then it grows another pine tree and drops a ton of pine cones, right. which are, have a bunch of seeds in it. And I think the same thing happened in when, you know, when I was converted to what we were talking about earlier is that even though it wasn't one thing, it was everything along the way. Right. Know? So as we as we reach out to anybody in our lives, whether it be a, a sibling or a parent or husband, wife, whoever, or even neighbor or friend who, however we, you know, reach out to them, we have to recognize that that's a point of contact. We're constantly planting seeds. Absolutely. We're always planting. Right. Always planting. Because not only is the start of Christ's kingdom illustrated by the parable of the mustard seed, but it, sh- but it shows that it grows in similar fashion to Christ. This kingdom calls for self-sacrifice from the childlike and the humble. That's true. That, and what that means, of course, is that there's battles to fight and there's victories to win. It's not always popular fighting battles with Christ's methods, like praying for your enemy, being kind to him. It's like heaping coals of fire on them, it says in Romans 12, but it's not always easy to do that because we want to get revenge rather than pray for our enemies, don't we? Right. Um the material world, a lot of it is under God's control. The laws of nature are obeyed by nature. Everything speaks and acts the will of the Creator. The clouds and the sunshine, the dew and the rain, the wind and the storms are all under the supervision of God. Yeah, you know, and, it, and it's an obedience to these laws that the mustard seed pops up through the ground. Or, as it states in a previous parable, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. Right. The Lord develops everything in its proper season because the things of nature don't resist his work. That's right. But man, but man made in the image of God, endowed with reason, conscience, and judgment, seems to be constantly unappreciative of God's gifts and it's perpetual disobedient to his. Yeah, man is, uh, he's supposed to be so uh, a rational being. But uh, that's what that rational being is causing confusion in our world. And why? Because we're moving away from God's principles. In other words, the, the plants and the animals, you can watch them. They pretty much follow God's design and don't rebel against him. But, mm-hmm. but man. Until I think, doesn't the Bible say that all, all creation cries out for it groans. because it's grown yeah. under, under this, the weight of sin? Right. Yeah. Right. You know, it. Um, these rational beings are causing the confusion. And I'm wondering, as I think about this, I wonder, because, you know, as, as most of you know, we have we have several miniature donkeys at the ranch there, but I wonder if we look like donkeys to the angels. I mean, because sometimes we're trying to do really good things for the donkeys, like get their hooves trimmed or separate them out when some of them, want to, you know, when we don't want one of them harmed or when they're injured. 
And they don't want to cooperate. No. They do not want to cooperate. And we, and and you were just we're just trying to do something good for them. And I, I just wonder what it looks like to the angels. Do they get frustrated? Is my angel going back to God asking for a more promising prospect, my guardian angel? Right. So we have <laughs> we have the one one donkey, her name is Sassy. And every time, almost every time, she's getting better, but you go to trim her hoof and she just wants she to lay down. down. Yeah. And and it's and she she knows that it's good for her. She knows she feels good. She knows we've treated her well. We never all harmed along. her. Never yeah. harmed her. But she and just it just lays that's down. her that's her cultivated habit of yeah. resisting. Yeah. Just like we all have our cultivated habits of resisting the spirit of God. So right? are, are 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 the angels in conference right now talking about us like we talk about our donkeys? I don't know, possibly. Yeah, you know. It's everything, you know. Everything's a, a divine and human cooperation. It has to be. There can be no reaping unless the human hand acts its part in the sowing of the seed. But without the agencies which God provides in giving sunshine, rain, dew, and clouds, there would be no increase. You know, the fields would, of course, just dry up. Right. And it's in the same way in the, it, it is in the natural world as in spiritual things, mm-hmm. in the formation of the character in every line of Christian work. We have to a part to act, mm-hmm. but we must have the power of divinity to unite with us, or our efforts will be in vain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you tried to do something on your own, mm-hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden you look up and wonder why am I so upset? Why am I failing? Why am I str- well? I haven't, I have not asked God for help on this. I've run my own way. I've done it my own way with anger and fear and all these other things. But I think in a real practical way, I th- I know that there was something for me that happened when I first joined the church. I. I felt obligated mm. to get in and to take on positions mm. because I was being asked and the church needed this position filled. And so I stepped into all, which I think was good, but in many ways I struggled because I don't know that it was definitely God's calling. And so some things became a burden and then, a, you know, you can get resentful or, or whatever. You don't mm-hmm. do the best to your ability. And, mm-hmm. and you have to, you do, it has to be a cooperation with God. You have to, you know, um, Use the gifts that God has given you and and do things because you believe God is leading you, not mm-hmm. because someone is pressuring you. Yeah, to do that's that's something. very important because you know whether we accomplish, you know whatever we accomplish, whether it's spiritual or temporal, we need to bear in mind that it is through cooperation with God. There's a huge necessity for us to realize our dependence on God. I think sometimes we can place too much confidence in ourselves and not enough in the power of God. He's standing there ready to share his power. We are, as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians, we are laborers together with God. And that's really, really important, isn't it? Um, and let's talk a little bit about cooperation in recovery, mm-hmm. in addiction recovery, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we've both been through. Mm-hmm. And, and how does that work? I mean, because there are times when I did not want to make that phone call. There are times when I did not want to do the right thing, mm-hmm. yet I knew that I needed to. Right. I think that God, um, God, there's things that you have, that we all have to do that are out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And But God gives you the power to see you through, mm-hmm. even if you're miserable going through it. it. If it's the right thing to do, then God gives you the strength and the ability to conquer your fears because I think it's fear that stops us from, you know, moving forward. It's just like with exercising. 
you know, I don't feel like exercising. I don't want to exercise. But in my rational mind, I know that I must exercise. Mm-hmm. I must walk. And mm-hmm. all, that's I'm not talking about heavy exercise. I'm talking about walking. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't feel like walking, sometimes it it's I don't painful. even like it when I am walking right. or after I walk. But I know that if I don't walk, then I'm not going to be able to walk. Right. And so you persevere through the pain mm-hmm. and... Um, Know that God is walking there with you, mm-hmm. and trust that it's it's for the overall benefit. So we don't do the right thing because it feels right, or we don't do the right thing because it looks right. We do or, the right thing because it is right, right. And, and we don't do the right thing because someone tells you it's the right thing. Uh-huh. You you come in, you you look at everything, and you reason together with God and and understand that why you're doing something. Okay, so but what about early on in recovery when you do when your sponsor tells you? What to do then? Because see, right? I, I, yeah, that, that's right. a whole different ballgame. Well, you're, you weren't reasoning. Though. You weren't reasoning. <laughs> right. You didn't have you, people. You, actually, I lost the ability to reason. Right. Just so you know, people who are just getting clean and sober are a very unreasonable person. <laughs> Their reasoning powers have been dwarfed. Well, from... a lot of a lot of us get incarcerated right. because we made wrong choices. We lost right. the we 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 gave our power of choice over to our addiction. Correct. And so now we have to be taught how to choose again. Absolutely. And that requires people that are, you know, more experienced than right. us. That's why, you know, in AA and NA, you'll get sponsors because those people have been through it and they can tell you, hey, you know, don't be doing this or don't be doing that and stay away from this and do this whether you like, want to or not and you will recover. Right. And, and so... Uh, in in addiction recovery, it, it's uh, it's it's not a fake it till you make it, but it's a l- rewiring of learning what's right. Mm-hmm. Because when we lose the ability to choose, when we give ourselves over to a bottle or a baggie or a or a, a or a, a woman a slot or, machine a man or a woman or, whatever, or whatever, whatever. Right. Well, we, th- we we sear our conscience. We can't see beyond. Mm-hmm. What our what our immediate gravit- gratification is, whether, whatever the addiction is, we can't, and we so we we actually give our power of choice away, right? And then someone needs to come and reset us, right? You know, and that's that's this little mustard seed. God could gives you that tap on the shoulder, and, and that, and I, and right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I also I agree because just like Christ will come up and yoke with you in a lot of support groups, you can have someone who's going to come up and they're going to stand beside you and they're going to walk you through it. They're yeah. not going to do it for you. No, they will not do it for you. But they will walk by your side as you're going through it in order to help to lead the way, to guide the way. Not, you know, and so that's the that's the wonderful thing and I think that happens in churches too. In a healthy church, you have people who, who will come alongside you. And they will that use that kingdom of God, the principles, the love principle, and they will they will yoke up with you and and walk beside you. And there's nothing better than that seed that simply says, "This is what worked for me." Right. When when, it, when an addict or an alcoholic or any anybody struggling with anything, someone walks alongside them and says, "This is what worked for right. me." There's a kind of a sense of relief, really. Yeah, right. if I mean, it's someone that's successful, yeah, you bet. yeah, someone that's successful and, mm-hmm. and 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 you really admire, um, or or you just you you see something in them that you want, right? You know, and they say this is what worked for me. Then there's hope, and then that little hope, you know, faith is hope with a track record. Right, that's all it is. Right. Well, you're looking at somebody with a track record. You say, look at that 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 could work. Right, you know, and this is why there's nothing better 
than the therapeutic value of one addict helping another. Absolutely. One alcoholic helping another. Or one human being one human helping being another helping human being. There's being. nothing more therapeutic than that. You know, you we know? we all need. We've talked about it before. We all need to recover from this disease and this this um, craziness of sin. Right, right. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to wrap it up again. That was a quick one today, but uh, we want to we want to remember, folks, that uh, that there's a lot happening in each one's life, and we don't have to go through it alone. Um, Jesus is there walking with us every step of the way. And uh, we don't we don't need to forget that we don't want to forget that. Now, if you want some resources, we have uh, what's our book? Could it be this simple? The way out of your prison? Uh, just drop us a line at www.justasiamministries.com, and we'll get one out to you. Okay, we'll get a book out to you. And before we go, remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you. Have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do you love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.